Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 305, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light. Cedric Golden here, as usual, with the duck, Kirk Bowles. And duck, we we welcome On Second Thought royalty back to the podcast. One of our earlier guests, maybe our first guest that wasn't at the Statesman. Our first road guest, no question. Our first road guest at Big 12 Media Day, CBS's Dennis Dodd joins us. He's a longtime National College football writer. You can follow him on the site, formerly known as Twitter, at DennisDodd.CBS. Also daily on CBS HQ, 24-7 streaming live on the CBS Sports Network. My friend, always a pleasure to have you with us. How are you today, Dennis? I'm great. Uh, great to be back with you, got you guys in this extremely different time. This uh, this summer's <laughs> like I had another child with realignment. You know, I had to do my my duty, <laughs> my, my beat, and then oh, oh, you just got another kid you got to take care of. Yeah, which it was. This has been the worst of them all. I'll tell you. We we all have been through 10, 2010, 11, with the Big Twelve. Um, you know, two thousand. 21 with Texas and OU. We thought that was an earth shaker. Uh, I thought USC UCLA last summer was bigger, frankly, because of the implications. Because you always knew Texas and Oklahoma had options. Right. And, you know, but then this, where I I thought what happened this month would take years. And now we're at the point where August 30th, the CFP meeting, they may tear up the whole thing at that meeting in terms of structure. Revenue distribution, because I thought that was two years away. Right. I think he's already leaving breadcrumbs about that. So it's crazy. It's, there's no off season anymore. It's just like one continuous season. That I don't know if it's settled down or not. Obviously, it's fluid. We we have to be uh, cognizant of that. Uh, just to start with the ACC, do you? Th- I mean, the Pac-12. Do you think the Pac-12 is dead? Do you see any scenario where they can survive? Uh you know, that's an interesting question because somebody owns that name. And to me, it's almost a sense of semantics. Is the Pac-12 going to expand to the Mountain West or some Mountain West or some American or vice versa? Are those conferences or conference going to expand to those schools? And that in itself, is that a, a legal definition of the league? Now, yes, I think there'll be one less power conference. I, yeah. I don't see a way with those two or four schools, however they end up, that that gets a designation of the number one being an autonomous uh, conference in the NCAA Constitution, which is significant because you get a weighted voting uh, privilege when you're in the Constitution. 
or more importantly, uh, the revenue distribution for the college football playoff, which to me really defines if you're power five. Mm -hmm. Uh, The group of five now uh, distributes uh, a pile of money every year to those five conferences. And they they in themselves have incentives built in for schools that achieve. But right now, every power five conference gets 80 million right off the top. Uh, just for being a Power Five conference in the CFP, so we'll see how that goes. You know, and, uh, when we were ahead, growing, when we were growing up, uh, did you ever know? Did you ever think in your heart of hearts? Because we were we were following the romanticized college football with Earl Campbell and Billy Sims and Southwest Conference, Southwest Conference, Jim McMahon at BYU. Those guys, we were following all of those guys because of the love of the game and the television executives. We're making money, but they weren't running the show. Isn't it obvious who's running this show, even though it's kind of like a mob movie where the real boss doesn't talk much. He's just letting the money roll in. And how how detrimental is that going to be moving forward to to college football? a, A couple of things. It's very crass now. And, you know, we're being recorded. So who knows when this happens with Stanford and Cal. That Stanford's in a position, not only the one, one of the best universities in the country, but in the world, in a desperate attempt to stay a, a, power, a power in a power conference, they are willing to buy their way in to the ACC uh, with no revenue. In other words, right. here, all the money, uh, we'll fund it some other way. Don't ask us how. We just want to be in it. Four time zones. Yeah, and they don't have votes as of that as of right now. Um, the other thing is on August fourth, you know, Black Friday when. Oregon and Washington sort of announced overnight or early morning they were joining the Big Ten. The column I wrote was that, you know, nobody wants to admit that they're the one to pull the thread, whether sure. it was Arizona or Oregon or Washington to, you know, to d- disassemble or, or wreck the Pac-12. And that included the TV executives. Boy, if you really want to get under their skin, uh, suggest to them that that they're responsible because they absolutely deny it. Oh, they came to us with Texas and OU and whatever. <laughs> uh, this just fell in our laps, you know, yeah. but we all know it never would have happened unless it, unless it made economic sense to them that yeah. they could money off this thing. Yeah. No, they're, they're leaving. Texas is leaving because they want to compete against the best, of right. the best even though they haven't won the big 12 since 09. It's yeah, such it's, crock. It's a crock. I mean, they want, I remember, I, you guys can tell me the name of the trustee when this first came up or in retrospect, um, I think I think he said or was alleged to have said, you know, they were worried about access for Texas in the playoff, actually looking ahead. So what this becomes about is not only the money, Texas would rather lose to Alabama and LSU and K-State and Iowa State mm-hmm. than afford to lose those teams and be in the playoff. You know, let's call it what it is. Now, does it make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, they're in the best league. I, I don't deny them that. But back to your original question, yes, that's what this is about. It's the puppet makers behind the scene. Yeah, and it's about money. And, you know, season ticket sales, the Texas fan base, you know, here's A&M in this prestigious conference, and they're playing Kansas and Iowa State and non-glamorous teams. So, you know, now next year you got OU Arkansas and a&M away and you got Georgia and Florida come in. It's excited the fan base like nothing I've ever seen. So, but to stick with the realignment a little bit, I mean, like you said, Stanford's got maybe the biggest endowment of any university in the country. So they, and also SMU are saying, 
take us, take us. We won't take a penny for five years. They just want to be in that in the club. So do you, do you see any way that ACC takes a Stanford or Cal or an SMU? Oh, I think there's a way if they flip one vote. Um, yeah. They have 11 right now, and they just need 12 to make it 75%. But what I've been able to, you know, find out is that no one will, no one will flip. Who is it? It's uh, NC State, Carolina, uh, Clemson. Florida and, State. And Florida State. Yeah. Clemson and Florida State. It's like, this does nothing for our conference. We need right. more money. They, they're not additive. Don't know what NC State's thinking. Um, I think North Carolina is probably right. where Florida State is. They're just not talking as much. Yeah. As Maybe some money will pass hands. You vote for us, and yes. there'll be a hundred million in your bank account offshore. That's and, never that they don't they don't play like that. Doug. That's never going to happen. They're not trying to buy influence here. Oh goodness! Kind of have a future because I think if if the SEC in their next round is not necessarily interested in, in Clemson and Florida State, first of all, they're not worth the sixty million or whatever they're getting. So yeah. they're not a full share. That's going to be a hard sell. Um, for some reason, because of the brand North Carolina is, um, and I've never been able to quite figure that out. Jim Delaney wanted them before he added uh, Maryland and Rutgers. He right. wanted some combination of Virginia, North Carolina, and Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, I get because it's Atlanta. There was growth potential there. Mm -hmm. um, Virginia and North, but North Carolina, because of that Nike, obviously basketball, not terrible in football, but but North Carolina yeah. has options. And so you can see why they're voting against it. Yeah, and they're an AAU school, the whole academic thing. Big Ten thinks that's a fit, you know. So, anyway, you touched on the uh, the twelve team playoff, and they're meeting the end of the month in Dallas. Uh, you know, Sankey has told us he's he would like twelve at larges, no automatic qualifiers, and it's supposed to be next year six automatic, six at larges. But he's going to push for twelve, and now. We've got four power five conferences, power four conferences, I guess. So do you think uh, it's likely that maybe they just go to 12 at largest, Dennis? I don't know if the word is likely. I think it's definitely on the table. Yeah. Um, you know, the likes of Mike Oresco is going to fight it. But, you know, I, I think at least it's going to five and seven. I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. Right. Four and eight. I don't know. Um but at the end of the day, they're protected because I don't think they're going to get the attention of Congress and antitrust because hey, it's wide open. It's twelve. We're we're tripling the field. Yeah. Uh, how can this be? Uh, how can this be antitrust? It's no monopoly. Is yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of our editors did a great job of this. He went back and looked at um, what is it the the previous nine years of the playoff or the previous eight years of the playoff, and in the top twelve. In an average year, the SEC and Big Ten would have gotten an average of 7.3 spots out of the 12. That mm. means in any given year, the other 99 teams, because there's 133 now or whatever it is, right. would have gotten an average of 4.7 spots. That's so you a lot know, of and you know that they they have that research. You know they have that. Absolutely. So they, this in that time span, a yeah. couple of times they've combined for nine. So that's all that's on the table. And and uh, a lot of the fans want that, right? I mean, really, do the fans want to watch Cincinnati in a playoff? Or do they want to have Michigan on, and Georgia, you know? So no, if, uh, the what they want, I guess. And you know you know what the well, – well, one of the uh, unknown factors in all this, I, I've said from the beginning that the college football playoff process is probably the most secretive 
in history of polls, uh, at least for a few years now, we see the final final votes of uh, of the AP, you know, AP voters. Mm-hmm. At no point in the process do we see those 13 either during the season or after the season. Ever. Some papal, you know, yeah. decision or something. And And look, no one can tell me that in their heads that they're going to be headed that way. The people they put on there, um, you know, they're going to pick Nebraska over Cincinnati if it comes to that. Because that's yeah. how they grew up. That's what it is. Yeah, exactly. You know that's what? It's almost it's almost as secretive as Texas and OU um, slide, sliding out of the Big 12 unbeknownst to billions yeah. of people in the social media age. I still think it's the most gangster move ever. Yeah. I got to ask you this. Um, what is the NCAA? What is that anymore? What's keeping these power teams and these TV execs from going, you know what? We can come up with our own thing and we don't have to cut you any checks. The NCAA is just four letters. It, it's it's, well, it's not a powerful entity. And, and what do they do? You have to remember that it's 1,100 schools uh, about, I guess, uh, a thousand of which are completely happy with the setup because it doesn't affect them at all. Right. Um, you know, nor should it. Um, right. you know, now, right. when I ask you this, Dennis, I'm talking about just football. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh, no, you're right. Um, yeah. You know, they got the new president. Uh, by all accounts, the membership likes him. Uh, fighting hard for NIL in Congress. But I think at the end of the day, even he knows in the back of his mind, he's just running out of ground ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Congress is not coming to help. Either one of these trials is going to hit and it'll make him employees or revenue sharing or something like that. Um, and that, again, that may be a period of years. Uh, there's an NLRB hearing in November. We know that. Or the SEC and or the Big Ten with all this revenue sit there and go, you know what? We're going to revenue share. What are you going to do about it? Um, what are they going to kick them out of the NCAA? No. Uh, and I think they're going to have enough money to do that. The big, the biggest thing, the end, two things the NCAA does not hell, hell of a uh, party planner in March. Nobody disputes that. Turnover, right. It's a great event. On, no matter what happens, they will keep on doing that. The other thing that the membership loves, football membership, they assume medical liability for the sport. Um, there is, not many people know this, they spend $65 million a year administrating FBS football, a sport they don't sponsor. No, there's, there's no championship in the NCAA for FBS, hmm. but they do it. They pay for some scholarships. They do administration. They do rules. And in any given year, 10 out of that 65 million goes to fighting court cases. You know what I'm talking about? Head trauma, everything else. They assume yeah. that liability. And that's a big thing that nobody wants to take on. CFP, if it's going to... Yeah. You know, take on football, uh, run it. Is going to have to take that on. In any given year, that can balloon to seventy million. That came out in not testimony, but a report last year from the former CFO of the NCAA, who had spoken to uh, Lead One. You know who, who those guys are. Uh, those are the uh, FBS or yeah, FBS Athletic Director Organization. And I think it's Kathleen McNeely. I think that's her name. She said. In any given year, it can go from 10 to 70 million, depending on a court case. Those are the two things they do the best, NCAA. Yeah. Oh, you're right. And then you got to stage, what is it, 90 championships 
you yeah. got the bureaucracy and the mechanism to handle all that. And so, you know, if the, the Big Ten SEC wants to break up part, what do you do with all those sports? You got to have some bureaucracy. You let them see if they run those sports and let football be its own animal because it is. I think that I think that could happen, and I think it's going to happen. It's just they need football money. NCAA's got to get. I know they make it in basketball uh, a huge, but wouldn't they have to get some of the football money to be able to? Yeah, that's that's my point. If if somebody takes it over, and right now it's you know the CFP looks like the ones that are going to do it. You can't do it halfway. You can't be half pregnant. You got to take on that liability piece. In other words, Mm -hmm. here's the CFP running football as a business. But the NCA is sitting there um, with this legal 800-pound, you know, gorilla in the room that they have to pay for every year. Yeah, that's a big deal because any of these cases, at the whim of a judge or a jury, could could cripple the that person or the, that group that takes on that liability. Yeah, no, you're right. And I hate to I hate to bore our readers or our watchers, but let's talk a little football. Uh, Texas back on top. Do you believe, is Texas for real? I'm not going to say they're back because we know that takes three or four years. But do you think, are you a believer this year? I, in Texas? I, I am not because they haven't done it for 14 years. It's nothing personal against Texas. Yeah. When And I agree, you have to pick them first. I haven't. I picked Tech. I was looking for a team to, to Nice. Because I think it's going to be really interesting on November 24th in Austin, when the possibility of this, those two schools could meet in back-to-back weeks um, with a lot on the line. I'm talking about the Big 12 championship game. But no, just because since, you know, since Colt McCoy injured his his, uh, (laughs) shoulder in the Rose Bowl, it it just hasn't happened. And we've kind of been here before, but this is really a lot of talent. I will give Texas uh, credit that they should win it. But I'm not the person to sit here and go, they will win it. Um, yeah. and, and and if they do, to say they're back, because guess what? The SEC is looming. Yeah, nobody can say it with any certainty. Be back for like be back for like six months. I mean, yeah. you know, and, here, yeah. and here's the thing. All league meetings, you Texas and OU, we, we got the seats here. We're good. You know, you can listen oh. in for a while, but <laughs> Kirk yeah. is Kirk is the journalism version of remember when we were growing up and they had those Kool-Aid commercials with the big the big picture of Kool-Aid bust through the wall. Oh, yeah. Kirk is Kool-Aid because he's drinking it. He's drinking it's it this year. It's got to happen drinking some it. year. That last year, they had B. John Robinson on the team. And yeah. they still yeah, had so. And so for me, um, I got them at nine and three because they always lose games they shouldn't lose. And that'll still get them to Dallas. That'll still get them to Jerry World. But I just, until they do it, I'm like you, Dennis. Until they do it, I just don't trust them. They okay, get but the let me ask you this. Do you trust Sark? Just right take now, it no. No. Right now, no. What do you I think? Trust, I don't trust anybody until they do it. Yeah. I mean, do I, tr- do I trust my neighborhood gas station to, to deliver gas? Yes. Because I go to that gas station once a week and fill up. It's delivered. Yeah. But Stark hasn't delivered yet. And if he delivers this year, I'll trust him to a point because, like Dennis said, I know where they're going to play over the over the rest of their history. And if you can't win a Big 12 title in 14 years, what makes me think you're going over there to, re, to wreck shop? So right. 
Until they do it, no, I don't. I don't trust. Are you surprised, Dennis? He hadn't done it yet. Well, no, I'm not. Um, look, uh, at least for Texas, Kansas State continues to be that little, you know, piece of dust in their eye. But that's how they. That's how they are with everybody. Yeah, pretty much. All of a sudden, in the champ game, all of a sudden they beat TCU. Um, you know, who's to say they they don't come close or do it again this year? I know they lost a lot of players, including Deuce Vaughn. But it's you know, I, I think the Big Twelve going forward, the biggest question is who's going to be the one or two teams that dominate? And if they don't, will that be a positive or negative? Will that be very entertaining? Or do they become the Pac-12 where everybody's got two losses by November 1st? So, um, you know, and, and with, a, with an expanded playoff, it may not matter. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't think I, I'm not surprised yet. Um, and, I look, I, th- there'll be pressure if they don't win it this year. But you'll have that you know, honeymoon into the SEC where, you know, the pressure really rat, ratchets up. I don't think, I don't think Sark's nearly in the situation that Brent Venables is where, forget about the SEC, we got to see progress now. Right. And not on the hot seat per se, but a repeat of, of next, of this, of that last season, two words start to creep into the conversation. John Blake. You know what I'm saying? And we all love Brent Venables. But if they can't fix that defense, because I think the offense was serviceable last year, I think it's be fine this year. But if you can't fix that defense, then you're in trouble. I thought the two words you were going to say was Josh Heupel, but uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't guess I thought, he's going to I thought the two words were Bob Stoops. <laughs> he ain't coming back either. He ain't coming back either. What about uh, the Aggies? If you look at them, uh, obviously, look, sounds like Jimbo's going to relinquish play calling to Bobby Petrino. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you don't believe that either, huh? Oh. I missed something at at big at, at uh, SEC Media Days. The biggest headline, maybe the biggest headline of the week, yeah. is both said. Hopefully, he calls plays. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute. Hopefully, whoa. Hopefully, I don't. Know, was he making a million bucks? I don't know what he's making, but Bobby Petrino's a lot of things. But he was hired to be a play caller. He's very good at it. Um, and he wouldn't even give it up. Then I can see. I could see them trailing to somebody they shouldn't in week five, about midway through the third quarter. And guess what? Jimbo starts calling plays, maybe before that. Um, can, he just can't keep out of it. I so, can, yeah. I, I'm all reports he's doing a good job staying out of quarterback meetings and everything. But it's August. It's August. Uh, it's, it's, but, I, I think it's a very good eight and four team. And that's probably what it'll take to keep from the powers of B starting to have clandestine meetings and writing $70 million checks. But you know, you got to get there first. They're they're vastly improved. He's got his best quarterback he's ever had at, at AM, Connor Wegman. The the receivers are really, really good. Really good. That's line solid because now those guys were in that um recruiting class two years ago, the best ever, mm-hmm. uh, are starting to come around. So they, they should win eight or nine. Yeah. I, I wanted to I thought said this, I wanted to touch on the gambling thing at Iowa and Iowa State. You know, I thought it was peculiar that the only state in the union that gambles on college sports is in Iowa and Iowa State and the entire nation. Uh, Council Bluffs, who, baby. Council Bluffs. <laughs> who would have who would have thunk it? But I mean, you know, is this the next scandal? Is this going to be a nationwide epidemic, Dennis? And we're going to see players, you know, going ineligible for the rest of their careers anytime down? Yeah, this this isn't an original thought because I. I talk to people who know about this better than I do. But first of all, I think it's illegal in Iowa. Am, am I right? Yeah. Okay, that, 
that obviously is, but all right, that, that's the first thing. The second thing is someone mentioned it to me, and it may have been Matt Holt, who's the head of that U.S. Integrity, who's about one of the most powerful figures in college athletics now, a great guy. They do they do the gambling integrity for the Power Five in many conferences. He's really good at it. Big 12 just added him, yeah. Just added him. Um, I think what you're going to see is more of this before it settles down. In other words, I think there's 32 or 33 states that have legal gaming, sports gaming. And so until that happens, especially in the college space, you're going to see a lot of this. Does it mean, you know, we're going to hell in a handbasket as a as a country? That's for people to decide on their own. But I think this will go away when schools look at this and go, God, even though it's legal in our state, do we have a better crack down and make sure these players aren't, you know, aren't yeah. doing it. gambling on their own sport is a problem. Um, so, no, I, I don't think beer leads to heroin in this case. Um, but I do think it's a concern. And I, I noticed uh, Kirk Ferentz at Iowa said, what you just said, are we the only state that's having this go on? I think Kirk Ferentz has bigger things to worry about than that. He's this guy. They uh, they settled that discrimination lawsuit earlier this year. That's fine. What you don't do is come out publicly against that. After it was your program. It was your co- it was your <laughs> coach. You got essentially fired. Does this happen? Um so just just keep quiet about that. I really got to ask you about Reggie Bush. I mean, Reggie trying to get his Heisman Trophy back, fam. Is he really trying to get his trophy back after he lives in a house? Yeah, you know? I, don't, I don't know what this uh, press conference. Well, I know what the press conference is about, but it's defamation because an NCA spokesman who we don't know who the spokesman was. I would love to know who the spokesman was. Uh, that'll come out if it ever goes to trial. Uh, said it was a pay-for-play situation. It really wasn't a pay-for-play situation. He was getting money under the table from an agent. Um, uh, pay-for-play is the school paying him. That's not what this is. But I think his his um, his goal is he sees the NCA in a weakened state. He is suing them with maybe the end game of them uh, reinstating not him, but his statistics. Remember that they took away his yeah, vacated everything, everything from USC. And then mm-hmm. at that point, the Heisman Trust could reinstate his Heisman. They've said NCAA has to clear it up first. If they ever do that, or re- the Heisman Trust will reconsider. Maybe that's what what the play is here. I don't know how it's going to fit. Mm-hmm. You know, um, work out. I don't know how you prove defamation. That's a really high bar in that situation. Yeah, but I think that's where it's at. Does the Heisman Trust have a Johnny Manziel problem? No. Do they have an O.J. Simpson problem? Do they? O.J. OJ didn't didn't murder two people in 1968 when he was born. Do they have a? Uh, oh, who was the the old uh, uh, Billy Cannon? The Billy Cannon problem. Who yeah. had massive? Was it gambling? I forget what it was. Yeah, I think it was gambling. I think Billy, I mean, Billy, Billy, been, stuff. Billy been doing a podcast where he basically <laughs> opened up the books. Owned yeah. up everything. I love yeah. that story, by the way. I, you know, he's great. But you don't I, think NCA would look at Johnny, do you, and think about taking his Heisman away, do you? No, I, I think they learn their lesson and try to legislate morality with, uh, with Penn State. I really do. Yeah. Um, when yeah. all that's happening lately with, uh, oh, what was the latest thing? Um, or somebody asked me, you think the NCA will step in? And I go, no, 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 no. They, they, they got time at all. They usually yeah. step in when it's time to cash a check. <laughs> yeah, right. 
think yeah. it was Harbaugh. Somebody asked me about Harbaugh. Harbaugh, yes. Yeah, the three-game self-imposed. Is that going to be it? Are they going to try to hammer him even more? I, there's two tracks here. It's, many people say it's the first time the Michigan AD has stood up to Harbaugh. Or <laughs> that would be true. And he's probably right. I think what they saw is a plea agreement you know, he he doesn't think he lied. That's the first thing, and I you know I I believe him because that's who he is. He he doesn't think because I've talked to people. That, you know, okay, yeah, he that he doesn't believe it. Okay, um, it's to the point now. You've got the cheeseburger line from the hearing officer of the NCA. This is not just a cheeseburger. This is serious. They're going to yeah. have negotiated resolution that was set aside. Now they're going to do a full investigation. Well, that could end up being half a season. So I think what you do now is self penalize. You hope that's enough for the NCAA for a case that's going to bleed into next year regardless. And when the time comes, they either say, okay, time served, or we may add a you know a week, a, year, a game or two. Um problem with that is uh next year, week two is Texas. But I, I think they're smart getting ahead of this, even if they piss off Harbaugh. But yeah. it might be have to push him to the NFL for good, but that's Jim Harbaugh. And heaven forbid he missed the Rutgers game. I mean, we you can't yeah. worried about today. Unbelievable. It's <laughs> well, not hey, even a slap on the wrist. It's like you, us three could win all three of those games by 40 just without putting on a headset. There you go. I hope so. I picked them to win it all this year. I, I got them in the champ game against Georgia. I, I think they got a great chance. Yeah, I got Miami over Georgia too. So, uh, well, hey, before we let you go, we just got a couple minutes left. Uh, any bold predictions uh, you have for us this college football season? Any sleeper, Heisman pick? Any anywhere you want to go? Anything that you're had, kind of thinking about? I had a good one that I used for in our conference previews. Uh, Drake May wins the Heisman at North Carolina. Not not a surprise. Uh, North Carolina goes to a New Year's Six Bowl. First one, I think. I'm not sure, but... Let's um, go, Mac. Let's go, Mac. Mac, it, that's his walk-off. He retires and becomes that guy to run college football. There you go. And it's part of college, but whatever entity it takes on, and a guy that everybody loves, everybody respects, and you know he'd do it. You absolutely oh, know. Yeah. He'd win the press conference every time. He'd win the press conference, and he'd be great. So that's that's my bold prediction. Has Mac accepted it? Did he call you and say, I accept? He's, uh, <laughs> if not, he's uh, working the phone lines to uh, to have that done right now. I think. <laughs> it's a really neat deal, Dennis. I can't <laughs> wait to run college football. I'm going to be the czar. I'm the czar. Uh, I'm the mm-hmm. czar. And Sally's going to hand out cookies. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope uh, Texas makes a believer out of you. We, we we need to see some winning football around here in Austin for a change. So, it, uh, it would be great. I, it's going to be great seeing you guys in, uh, yeah. in week two. Really excited. So uh, if Texas wins that one, boy, the hype meter will be off the charts. That'll just be – you imagine? Absolutely. Not going to happen. This would be uh, bananas. It might happen, Sid. Quit hating. Good hating. So, I hope it happens, but I just yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it, man. You're the All best. Right, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. Bye bye. On second thought, Doug has a great interview with our friend Dennis Dodd, and um, I know. Uh, speaking of friends, uh, we lost one. We lost one. 
uh, on Friday when longtime SID administrator Bill Little passed away at the age of 81, a true Texas legend of the 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 historian, the storyteller, the the jack of all trades over there, Mac Brown's right hand man. Bill Little has passed, and um, that place is never going to be the same without Bill over there, Doug. Not only is it not going to be the same, there's no replacing Bill Little. No. You know, I know a, a lot of time when people die, they go, oh, man, he was great. He was one of a kind, so on, so on. But there is no next Bill Little. I mean, he was there, uh, not counting the four years when he went to UT and worked at the Daily Texan, sports editor, same as I did. He was there 46 years, and and that ended in 2014, but he was still a resource, you know, the last 10 years, you know, after he retired. If, you know, if you or I are doing a story on, you know, a famous Longhorn who dies or something historical, event, something. I did a story a couple of years ago on the, Nixon plaque, the number one plaque that Nixon gave the team after the game of the century in 1969 when they beat Arkansas. And I did a huge story on where it could be, what happened to it. And we even recreated a picture uh, with Bill Little in it. And that's that goes away. That voice, that uh, resource bank. It's like Jenna McEachern said, you wish it was a USB port and you could download you know, every anecdote, story, memory and recall in his brain that you could just keep forever and and you can't so you know we often say if somebody passes away he's going to be missed he said you can capitalize put that in bold and add, add about 20 exclamation points because you know he will be missed by all of us and and he was a friend you know i talked to his son bobby and he said yeah you, you were a good friend of his and he chose his friends very carefully and uh it's just a sad day, but, you know, as you said, said he, he lived to his 81, so he had a very full and rich life, and he was about as loyal a Longhorn as you would ever find. He, he bled it. He bled it, and and he didn't always agree with what we wrote. <laughs> a lot of times. Oh, oh, my God. That phone <laughs> would ring. And, what are you here. doing? Hey, Bill. <laughs> Can't disagree with what you wrote more. Here's why. And I <laughs> listen because I'm telling you, Doug, now, number one, you respect your elders. And number two, uh, even if Bill Little disagreed with me, I would always learn something in a conversation with Bill Little. I always learned something. Mm -hmm. So it was always beneficial to be in his presence, to talk to him on road trips. Uh, we famously went to San Diego um, to Bucalachi's, a great Italian place. Uh, Bill and his lovely wife, Kim, and Keith Moreland, and my wife, Bev, was on that trip. And uh, they introduced us to red wine because I've never been a red wine drinker. And, it, 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 you know, it was just fun to hang out with him and the stories. I love good storytellers. And Bill Little had stories for days. And it's just going to suck to not be able to talk to him anymore. Uh, we're going to have to, I'm just going to have to go and call up some Longhorn documentaries when I need a Bill Little fix because he's in all of them. And I I remember a lot of the trips to Omaha because, you know, nobody's been more than the Texas Longhorns. And, 
every time they went, said uh, he he went as well. And we'd go to Mr. C's, the uh, oh, Italian man. place, and Mr. C adopted the Longhorns. And wonderful, just wonderful. You, know, you went a bunch too before it closed down, but we'd go there every year. And he loved the Longhorns and loved Bill Little and free appetizers. appetizers. And then then he'd say, "Well, what do y'all want to order?" I said, "We're stuffed." You know, but we gotta still, get steak, and we'd have to order steak. steak. I get a steak, got to get some pasta, some uh, Italian sausage and garlic bread and the whole thing. And uh, I'll never forget, you know, a lot of the stories about Bill I can't retell, but, and I do remember one, it was, uh, we were coming back from somewhere. I don't know if it's Lubbock or where it was, it was like me and Rick Barnes and the Lost Odds and Jody Conrad and Bill Little, I think, and I can't share that, but uh, those are the types of memories that I keep. and and like and like I wrote in the story, we played tennis together uh, back at Pinnock Allison, just south of the DKR Stadium. It was Bill and Fred Akers, or Bill and Mike Parker, defensive tackle coach, and we did some really you know feisty tennis matches. So he he just had a big imprint on everybody he he who knew him, and he touched a whole lot of lives. And I like what Randy McEachern said; he turned ordinary players in the heroes and that was kind of his gift well you will be missed duck we know that bill little's going to be watching from on high as the texas longhorns embark on the 2023 season coming soon coming soon steve sarkeesian way excited uh, about everything overall his quarterback quinn yours but Duck, there's a word he keeps on using. And it's an important word because the Mac Brown teams had it in spades. And that word is depth. Here's what he had to say about what he's got coming back. And that's that's the whole key to this whole thing is that, you know, you can rotate players. You can, if a player gets injured, the guy that that goes in to replace him is more than qualified to do the job um, and that his teammates can count on him that he's going to do it right. Uh, but I think it goes beyond talent. Uh, I think there has to be a mindset too. Um, I think that's dangerous when you just rely on talent to bail you out. And I think that that's something this team is really starting to embody. It's There's a work ethic about them. There's a style of play about them. Um, there's a there's a level of intensity about them that, that make our practices very competitive and tough and hard. Um, and in turn, when you don't operate that way, it shows pretty dramatically. And um, the players will be quick to let you know. And, and, I, and, I, and I appreciate that because they want to be great. They want to have a great football team. And they know they need everybody. You know, it doesn't matter. When we sit in a team room, as I talk to our players, everybody's got a role on our team. And, you know, I, I get it. There's the Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthies, you know, of the world, the Jalen Fords of the world. Um, but on that same note, there's that other guy who is getting him ready to play every week on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and how valuable he is to give the really good look to push them to be the best that they can be day in and day out. And I, I do think our team has a great deal of respect for one another that way, that, that everybody has a role on our team that's going to contribute to our success. And when you can when you can understand your role and everybody can appreciate your role and then you can do maximum effort in your role, man, that, that's when you have something pretty special. And so 
uh, I would say the majority of our team really understands that aspect. So, Doug, you, you, you think about Sark and um, uh, the great Mike Brown teams always hit, went too deep. And they uh, Aaron Ross wasn't starting for a while, and he won a Thorpe. Uh, you know, Brian Arakpo was running third string in 2005, and that guy was an NFL pro bowler. That's mm-hmm. how deep those teams were, and it starts with recruiting, and Sark's really making waves in recruiting. Uh, but as far as this season is concerned, Duck, how important is that depth into them getting back to the Big 12 championship game for the first but, time in quite a while? But you hit on it. It's about building a roster, and it's something that Charlie and Tom Herman didn't do a good job of, and he knew it when – he got here three years ago. He had to rebuild the roster. He had to remake it into a physical, tough-minded team, especially O-line and D-line, where he's famously wanted, you know, large human beings. And and he's doing that. It's not a finished product. It's not, you know, but he's getting to that point. So, and he's talked about the depth every press conference in the rotation and how you can keep them fresh in the fourth quarter. You can play so many more people. And and there's, and that comes with trust factor. You got to be able to trust those backups to go in and play. And, you know, they may not have the killer up on the defensive line, but they got some playmakers and, and if you can rotate them, keep them fresh, you know, you're ahead of the game there. So it, it's a huge factor for this Texas team. Byron Murphy, Vernon Broughton, Alfred Collins keeps getting mentioned, Duck. Where has he been since the Alamo Bowl his freshman year? Missing in action. Maybe this is his bust-out year. Maybe he is the Snacks Coburn of this team this season. They've got they've got some talent. The linebacker position outside of the, the amazing Jalen Ford remains a question. I think the young kid, Anthony Hill, is going to have to grow up fast. I'm, Duck, I'm not convinced that David Bend is an every-down player. Just not convinced. No, but he hadn't been. He's basically been a journeyman is what you'd want. A real intense guy. Do whatever he, you and I both know. He was a running back for, for a moment. So, yeah, that's probably the one spot you would go and circle and go and mm. – you know, is it Mo Blackwell? Is it Anthony Hill? Is it David Gabenda? Jeff Bush? Who, maybe a bunch of them until they find you know the guy uh, who can fill in and 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 you know spell each other. So, but you know, you you left out Baron Sorrell, uh, the defensive end, and you got Ethan Burke on the other end, and he he raved about them on Monday. Sark did. He really likes what those two bring, and Anthony Hill probably a situational rusher on third downs a lot, but you touched on Alfred Collins and the first time he mentioned him early in August, you know, a lot of us kind of looked at each other, uh, the reporters and like, uh, okay, we've heard this before. Like he's still here. He's mentioned him three or four times. And and like you said, you never know when the light's going to come on. And he just made this year. Yeah. And so, and boy, they could use him too. Cause, and he said, Devondre Sweat had his best day as a Longhorn uh, at Saturday's scrimmage. So, you know, they may not have that Chris Jones or uh, Reggie White on the edge or somebody okay. like that. But, yeah, but they got a lot of good people. And Jaron Thompson told us last week they're mean, nasty, and violent. And so I, I love don't know. That word. 
I love that vibe. I do too. And that's boy, you can't describe a defensive player any any better than that. So, uh, and it sounds like said the defense has won the first two scrimmages. Now, you know, Jaron Thompson kind of said that too after the first one. So, uh, I don't know. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Because you figure, you know, the offense was hit or miss last year. They couldn't throw the deep ball. No touchdown passes longer than 49 yards. So, and no Bijan. Does that worry you a little bit that they're not touting the offense a little bit more in these scrimmages? Not as much because the defense was really good last year. Gave up 21.6 points a game. And um, it worries me about the offensive line. Um, that's supposed to be a, a, you know, the bell cow of this team. The most experienced unit, Jake Majors, Kelvin Banks, Hayden Connor, Christian Jones, um, Cam Williams, guys like you got DJ Campbell. Uh, some, beast, some beastly guys up front. But – where where's the praise on that old line? That's that's the question. Why is it, why is Alfred Collins getting more hype than that mm-hmm. offensive line? So maybe maybe they're maybe they're mauling people and we don't know. I don't know, Doug, but uh, this talented offensive roster hasn't really gotten a whole lot of props. Uh, he's bragged on the quarterbacks, but he hasn't really said a whole lot about this offensive unit as a whole. Yeah, he hadn't. You're right, and that could be a concern. The offensive line wasn't great last year, and I think there's that tendency, oh, we got our quarterback back, we got the whole offensive line back. Well, were they any good last year? There's a you tendency know. to equate experience with talent. Yeah, and it's not and I know Kelvin Banks. I know Kelvin Banks is going to play in the NFL. I, yeah, I, sure. I'll, bet, I'll bet my house on that. Absolutely. But, but the others are question marks, and and there's some big guys, but but I don't know if they're NFL guys. I know the left tackle is, I do, but um, I haven't. We hadn't heard him go. Oh my God, the offensive line just push, getting a great push today, and we were running it, we were running it effectively, and that's that's going to be the key. Will this experienced offensive line live up to its years on campus? That's not a get. That's not a given. No, it's not a guarantee. And the good news, we're going to find out in nine days when we have a live kickoff at Royal Memorial Stadium. I can't wait. One week from Saturday, opening up with those rice owls. We're headed to Tuscaloosa a week later. It's so good to be talking football, Duck. This is my favorite time. If I had that voice from that Christmas guy, it's the most wonderful time <laughs> of the year. It is, Duck. It we can taste it. We, it's so close, we can taste it. We can taste it, and we'll be back next week uh, to preview the opener, give a little bit of Alabama hype, because we got to do that. Hey, hey, hey. That. Come on. Yeah, it's happening we got to thank Dennis Dodd for dropping some knowledge. Always good to catch up with him. And we thank you for joining us on On Second Thought. That's going to do it for episode 305. 306 is right around the corner before you know it. Thanks for joining us for the Duck Kirk Bowls. I'm Seth Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.
Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.